come on in and take a load off and listen to tales from the dusty west to adventures on the cold seas. This is the place to listen to all manner of characters, spin yarns of stories, exploits, and just ramble on. Welcome to the table at Black Hoof Saloon Ramble. Howdy gang, this is Eric here, and I, I want to touch in a little bit here at the beginning of the show and what this new show is that we're kind of doing. So, me and the guys wanted to try something a little bit different from our main show, the Black Hoof Saloon Wild West Exodus podcast. And what uh, Ramblin' is going to be is the show where it's a little bit something different, where we can get together and talk about subjects that are outside of Wild West Exodus and just something brief, you know, chats and talks that we have with different people in the community. And uh, this is going to be a show about where we yak about different subjects and yammer on and just stuff, like I said, that doesn't fit into the world of Wild West Exodus. So... What we got a chance to do here is we got me and Brian got together with Stuart from War Cradle Studios to just have a, a talk about Dystopian Wars beta rules that are getting ready to drop. Uh, in this, we got to pick his brain a little bit about the rules, what is Dystopian Wars, and um, kind of what is coming from from the rule set and what we all need to do. With that, let's go ahead and dive right in and listen to the conversation that me and Brian have with Stuart. another black hoof saloon rambling session where we're doing a little things differently where we've uh, eric and i have invited Stuart over for a chat the reason uh not just for another episode because we actually do have another episode that is on the way but there was an announcement just a couple of days ago about the dystopian war beta that is coming soon the the impetus of this is you know War Cradle created an update to Wild West Exodus for All, and it's really the flagship game, right? Well, the Dystopian Age is is going to get another flagship game called the Dystopian War. So Stuart's <laughs> here to enlighten us a little. So yeah, Stuart is joining us today to discuss a little bit of the new rules of Dystopian Wars that they're going to be releasing soon for beta testing. And we wanted to kind of pick his brain a little bit about uh, some of the mechanics, what we can expect to see in it, and maybe some of the familiar Wild West Exodus factions we might find in there. Yeah, it's the world in which all the various games exist. Wild West Exodus, as you all well know, covers the exciting adventures. There's kind of a skirmish level between the various heroes and nefarious villains in the Badlands or the frontier of the Union. 
what we have though is obviously a much wider world so while the union are a faction within while well, West exodus they also serve another purpose in in the background which most of the different factions while West exodus aren't going to be aware of which is that actually the union not only does the union obviously stand as a force that's trying to kind of establish control in in the frontier it's also though ensuring that none of the rest of the world gets to run around the frontier either because obviously it's still american soil and the union as much as they don't necessarily agree with the likes of jesse james and everybody else they're still their outlaws that you know they're not um they're no you know they have the advantage of still being american so it's a there is a much wider world out there but effectively within wildwest exodus you kind of kept you kept in a bit of a bubble you're not really aware of the the much much larger world what dystopian wars lets us do it lets us explore, explore that world insofar as naval combat so it's a naval combat game set in the dystopian age so Stuart, is there going to be any familiar faces or factions that we're gonna see in dystopian wars from say wild west exodus absolutely yeah so the union are significant so there are eight factions in uh, dystopian wars the Union is one of those factions. So in addition to having lots of soldiers and General Grant and all the others doing their business in within World War Exodus, you also have obviously the massive military arm of the Union of Federated States all around the globe going around and uh, projecting power, defending borders and so on. So you'll, you'll get to do that in dystopian wars with the Union faction. But also another one of the eight major, major factions in dystopian wars are the Enlightened, the Covenant of the Enlightened. Carpathian and his his cronies, his allies, are but one one part of this much larger organization. The Covenant of the Enlightened are all over the world. Each each peer and um, you know, each of these crazed scientists has their own their own fights, their own uh, domains basically scattered across the globe. And each one of them is has their own plans and things. And if they need to get to each other or they need to um, transport supplies and weird and wonderful creations and whatever else it is that they're up to. They need ships. They need a navy in order to do that. And of course, being enlightened, their ships are all weird and wonderful with particle beams <laughs> and heavy laser cannons and um, cyborg whales and all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff going on. <laughs> so I'm getting excited. I get to play my beloved enlightened with boats. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> you, you're going to see some of the design aesthetics as well will transfer over i mean a lot of the a lot of the design the look of wildwest exodus is is um part of the fact it's a skirmish game so there are obviously some details that are very specific to that that kind of close-up in your face level that, that you get in a skirmish game whereas when you start sort of zooming out a bit and you're seeing the ships you're getting more of the the slightly more graceful lines of things so the enlightened stuff doesn't look like it's all been thrown together in frankenstein's laboratory or anything like that but it's uh, it will still have a lot of the hallmarks some of the technology some of the um the way that the armor is kind of stacked and things you will see that on the ships echoed in much the same way that you'd see it on some of the other models in the range okay sorry brian no lawmen yeah on the high seas <laughs> Well, we see, uh, did, technically, at, at that level of game, the lawmen are part of the union. Oh, so true. So there is true. no reason to think that the 
on on um, Union vessels that they wouldn't have either the equivalent of sort of like naval MPs kind of thing, or that they wouldn't have um, effect. You know, some of the uh, some of the officers and some of the people on board those ships could either be previously serving lawmen or may actually be lawmen, and for whatever reason they're yeah, on board I those, agree. I have those I have trust in the War Cradle to to know that <laughs> there can be the possibility of uh, of lawmen affecting the worldwide efforts of stuff. <laughs> of course, of course. In this so, game or other games, or you know, uh, even in real life, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that is but two of the factions. There are another six factions that are massive players on the global stage that largely don't play much of a role in Wild West Exodus because of the kind of the buffeting, um, no, sorry, buffeting, the buffering effect of the Union. Um, but little hints of them have kind of idled their way into the um, Wild West Exodus background and into some of the miniatures and things. So the Prussian Imperium you see sort of hints of the Prussian Imperium in um, Dr. Tumblety. In some of the background, there's a background piece on the Warrior Nation that's done from the Prussian Imperium's point of view. So they're this massive Germanic power, big European superpower, um, and they are very, very keen on making sure that the world gets um, gets reorganised along very efficient lines. They have a uh, they have a mandate for what they think is kind of bringing stability to the chaos in Europe, and then expand, you know, expanding further out and uh, making sure that the rest of the world is in line with that too. So, <laughs> if the Prussian Imperium, you have the another one that's kind of had some influence would be um, the Celestian Empire, which is in the from. The Union's point of view would be the Far East of the globe, which is the likes of Japan, China, Korea, and some of the other nations um, in that region. So they are part of a, a very powerful and quite long-standing alliance um, that, again, has its own. It spent probably five, six hundred years largely minding its own business, kind of organizing and kind of being quite secure in its own sphere of the world. Then um, some of the other powers of the world decided, that, you know, they didn't learn the lesson of don't poke the bear, and actually <laughs> decided to invade Korea, which destabilised things in the region. Celestian Empire pushed back the um, the Russians and the British, who were the ones that thought it would be a good idea, and um, but that's now made the Celestian Empire is now rising from their from their previous kind of um, secure area, and they're now pushing out into the world because they now realise that the greatest way for them to maintain their own security and defense is to make sure that everybody else is under the under the thumb or under the anchor as it were so the <laughs> Celestian empire is now pushing out um, you have the latin alliance which is france spain portugal and also um susa which is the union's neighbor down in um, what we would call brazil and um, they they have formed uh, an alliance it's mainly an alliance of convenience because obviously you've got these other major major superpowers kind of trumping around the globe so the latin alliance has gathered together and they're quite quite an important naval power now with them um, you know quite a lot of uh, distinguished ancient countries who have a long history of being very successful on the seas and they're now combining their ingenuity and their um, and their their belief in in their own place on the world stage, and so they're being quite an influential power. If you have the Latin Alliance, uh, the, other, the other factions to mention 
So you also have the British Crown. Now, they would have turned up in Wawas Exodus before. Nimue, if you remember, legendary Nimue, um, who was one of the first miniatures that War Cradle produced uh, a ways back. She hails from the uh, from this mysterious British crown, which is essentially the the empire of Britain and her dominions. So that's um, the crown covers uh, the United Kingdom. It also covers Canada. It covers Australia, and it covers the um, what they call the British Raj, which is India. So it's, again, it's quite a a far flung um, collection of nations that are kind of banded together. So as I say, there are there are quite a few of these these powerful factions um, out there. One of the um, one of the most um, influential, though, is the Russian Commonwealth, which is Russia, the Polish and um, the Polish Lithuanians as well. They're important in the game, not only because they're a powerful um, force in their own right, but they are um, they have that kind of unique blend of not only are they a very long standing power. <laughs> but they're also ones with great ambitions. And as I say, they're the ones that decided it would be a good idea to try and seize Korea um, from the slumbering Celestian Empire, <laughs> which has which has destabilized that part of the world quite uh, quite considerably. So yeah, you have um, you have those. The only other power that hasn't um, so that that's seven powers we've covered. The only other power that hasn't really had a huge amount in recent times on the world stage in the dystopian age, but he's now starting to come into its own, is the Ottoman Sultanate. So the Ottoman Sultanate has been thought of by most of the other powers as being a kind of a, a relic from the ancient past kind of thing, a bit primitive and not, um, you know, maybe they had some splendour and things, but, you know, nothing really of any note now. However, the Sultanate have two things going for them. One, they are absolutely a, um, you know, an impressive culture, rich in, uh, yeah, they value science and they also value technology. So they've made inroads and alliances with the likes of the Enlightened to ensure that the uh, Sultanate is being modernised quite rapidly. Okay. But they've also welcomed a particular brand of religion into the Ottoman Sultanate, um, which is, it's a mysterious growing religion that has um, kind of reared its head Sort of uh, over the last fifty years, in particular, it's it started to become more obvious around um, around the halls of power, um, which is a, an organisation known as the Order of the Alshard, um, which has been adopted by the uh, Sultanate as one of the official religions. So, whereas in Wawa's Exodus, you've got the likes of the Order are very secretive and kind of you've got your spiker and things going around as like kind of advanced high tech cowboy type things. In the Ottoman Sultanate, that's not the case. They are part of the culture there. So you have brigades of spiker being trained. The Corcoroli form part of the Sultan's um, personal bodyguard. It's it's all a bit it's all a bit scary when you uh, when, when you head out there. So yeah, the, the Ottoman Sultanate have kind of nope, come, good. From, yeah, <laughs> come from come from a, kind of a, a very quiet position with everybody underestimating him and thinking, yes, they made lots of cultural and technological advances in their time, but these days they're not really, you know, they're not really anything to be worried about. To suddenly, oh, good grief, you know, where have they come from, <laughs> kind of thing. There, yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, really interesting. Eight very interesting factions for dystopian wars, and yeah, say so each with their own very very different play style, which is going to be the, um, yeah, which is going to be the, the hallmark I think of of a good game is that each one of the fashions is is individually interesting and, and brings something unique to the table. 
Very cool. I like I like a lot of the the backstory that you guys are working into all these different factions. It really will enable players to you know fall in love with a faction, and that's that's gonna be their thing. Right. I really enjoyed the the new background uh, you know fluff that you added to the uh, revised rulebook because you tied in the the larger world into some of those backgrounds and it, it really kind of you know piques interest for those of us who, who are reading about the watchers and we're getting a little bit of nugget of you know the prussian imperium and then you read a different background and you get a little bit of nugget of you know another faction that you don't know have a lot of details on yet but it was kind of like opened your eyes a little more to the the wider world so yeah the the uh i was talking to I was talking to Eric earlier and I said I was describing that, you know, Wildwest Exodus is the flagship product, uh, game in War Cradle. And then I'll bring in a the new second flagship game, you know, and I told him pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, uh, I mean, I think this is the thing. So one of the and this is for War Cradle. This is one of the things that we're going to work really hard to do is so we've got. Um, oh years we've got a good couple of years of really really exciting releases already planned and already being developed for wild west exodus so what i don't want exodus players to be worried about is that when because dystopian wars and it's right that it should when it comes out uh, yeah at the moment it's just uh, about to go into its um, beta or it may be in its beta by the time people are reading this or hearing this should i say but um the it, it's important that once the game once dystopian wars itself officially comes out which will be a little while after the beta finishes that um, it will have its moment in the sun it will have its moment where it is the big thing that war cradle shouting and screaming about and saying about how great the game is and showing people loads of ways to get involved and all that kind of stuff it's right that that's the case because every game deserves to, deserves to have its its big its big launch but you can rest assured that and uh, possibly not in the actual month of release of dystopian wars because i think the release schedule be so packed um, i think we would struggle to probably get something else out that same month for exodus but certainly the month after dystopian wars comes out it's business as usual for exodus we're still more posse boxes more more units more weird and wonderful stuff because we've got a heck of a lot of stuff in the pipeline i mean and it's like super exciting stuff i was looking at um concept art the other day for there's a new outlaw boss um for a for a posse that we haven't um shown anybody yet and she's oh, she's amazing um and there um she's called lilith Hart. there you go i'll throw that one in there um but you you won't you won't know anything else about her other than she's a woman she's an outlaw and her name's lilith Hart. that's um but yeah um uh. what else were we i was looking at the amber alpha for the watchers uh, she's amazing. A uh, new clade coming out for the watchers. Um, we were looking at the new designs for the um, for the grey elites. I'm looking at the some bits and pieces of the order. There's um, yeah, there's some there's a, a new um, uh, spear of light being developed at the moment, which ties into the new interceptor we've got in the pipe. And oh, there's so much coming out. So much coming out. You, you guys are going to be busy, worry. very busy in the next year. And it, I mean, talking to you a little bit about next year's Gen Con, I think that's going to be just huge for you guys. 
we're going to need a bigger stand. Yeah, sure. I think so. <laughs> I think well, so. You know, my application's already in. So if you need anything. <laughs> yeah, well, no, look, I will be grossly dis- I mean, it was it was a personal crushing disappointment, Brian, that you weren't there at Gen Con this year. So I, I can't, you, you can't let me down two years in a row. I've got to see you next year, surely. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I want to go to all of them. I just, I, <laughs> you know, um, I think with the Warhorse program, you know, churning its wheels, uh, you may see me show up here and there, you know, as program. I, of course, will always be available for, for War Cradle if they need my, my help. And the, the future is extremely bright. And I'm excited to be able to participate in any way that you guys need. And the, the coolest part is the way you've designed the company to ensure that no product falls behind. And it's 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 really that is one of the coolest things that you've been able to, I think, to accomplish, Uh, not 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 to discredit all the neat toys and the neat models and the games themselves. But the way you all built the company is extremely impressive and you do, do do deserve some kudos for that. Yeah, the I mean, we we have an expression over here. I don't know if you guys have it over there, which is the proof is in the pudding. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, the yeah. So um, I, yeah, I think we've yeah, and I'll, I, and I'll accept that. Thank you very much. Why well, I think we've done a reasonable job so far. Um, next year is or so the the coming year. Uh, we tend to look at things in kind of twelve uh, month cycles. So next year is going to be um, easily our biggest year for War Cradle and. Even if, I mean, I think in all, all companies do this, we've, we've got loads of stuff and we, we anticipate that some of the things, I mean, the public will never know, but some of the things that we have in development might slip a little bit and might might be into the following year. But even if we get half of what we want to get done next year done, uh, it's going to be a massive year, not just for War Cradle, but for people that like like the kind of stuff that we do. Um Right. For people that don't like the stuff that we do, it's going to be hugely infuriating because there's going to be a lot more of it. But, uh, but, but, but for people that like what we do, um, yeah, it, there's there's going to be a lot to get excited about. Oh, the release schedule has been impressive, you know, this year. So, yeah, the, like I said, it's all amazing to us. So I, I know I was watching the Facebook as you've been teasing little pieces of the game, um, mm. the dystopian wars. So can can you give us kind of like an idea of like what to expect from, from, I guess, newbies as uh, Eric and I, you know, how, um, I know there's how, boats in there. That's yeah. about it. I know there's boats. Right. Well, that's your first mistake because they're not boats, they're ships. Oh. <laughs> there is a, Keep in mind. You I'm ask, in... <laughs> yeah. You ask any naval man about, uh, um, and, and you start calling a battleship a boat and, and he's going to start twitching at you. That's, I am uh... in the middle of the country. There's no big flies. <laughs> you, you have marinas, surely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that aside. Um, so, okay. If you're a, if you are familiar with Wild West Exodus, um, the, the yes, there will be some elements of dystopian wars that will be familiar. They're not going to be exactly the same, um, but they are familiar. So some of the structure, some of the way that you would approach army building is familiar. It means not exactly the same, obviously, but it's the, some of the ways in the, kind of the, the, the fairly open way that you can pretty much include or you've got a large range of things that you can include. That's going to be familiar to players of Exodus, mainly because we think it's a fairly neat way of building uh, building a force up. 
Um, right. Things that are um, so, for example, you have a fleet. A fleet is comprised of one or more battle groups. A battle group is a large capital ship, and then it has a, a retinue around it of support ships. So, yeah, I mean, the, it is superficially, at least, it is it is a similar idea to how you build a, a force up in Marvel's Exodus. Um, units in dystopian wars also use traits to define them which is the same as well as exodus so ships will have you know their traits will be things like their faction their uh, nationality and the kind of vessel that they are um you know as in like whether they're a carrier and and there's a number of other bits and pieces about them that are, that are kind of captured in their in their traits which is so it can it, so it can trigger special abilities absolutely, or uh, exactly the same Okay, cool. So that part will be very um, synergistic yep. in the two, yep. two games. That's cool. You have things, obviously, have points values, but that's not unique to our games. Most most games have points <laughs> values. Um, the the terms, certain terms are going to be very familiar as well. So things like um, referring to something as a unique unit, well, it means the same thing in Exodus as it does in Dystopian Wars. Um, things like, um, so uh, when... Uh, so yes, you activate units and you have the alternate activation. That's the same in Exodus as it is in Dystopian Wars. So there's uh, there are conditions in Dystopian Wars, which are, um, some of them are at least name-wise are very similar to the conditions in Exodus. So you have Hazard, Stunned, Disorder. Those are in both games as well. Um, so there are, like I say, there are there are quite a few things that are similar. Okay. Um, okay. There there are. Um, but that's really where most of the similarities end. And obviously it's, it's set in the same universe. So some of the look will be familiar and there are, there's a system called, um, well, there's a, there's a system called patrons, which is characters who kind of are backing your fleet. They're kind of like, um, they're the ones that have organized the fleet to be sent wherever it is for you to, to fight your engagement. Um, the patrons are characters who crop up in the backstory. So some of them will be not from not familiar to Exodus players, but will be familiar to people from history. So Queen Victoria is a patron, for example. You would have heard of her. Okay. Um, but then other other patrons, um, Director Lincoln of the Secret Service is a patron for the Union, so he can dispatch a fleet for a secret mission. So that will be a that that will be a, a a thing that you can do. So there are some of the characters are going to be familiar from the setting, okay. But that's largely where the similarities or the connections end in terms of what you're familiar with. In terms of functionally how the game works, so the game uses six sided dice, um, which is obviously different to Wild West Exodus. Um, also, Exodus tends to revolve around a single die to do each thing. Um, Dystopian Wars doesn't. Dystopian Wars is lots of um, six, lots of six-sided dice, and you, when you're making an attack, you're rolling a bunch of six-sided dice, and you're looking for successes on the dice. Um, the number of dice you roll changes how far out the shots are. If the shots are close range, they might have one one value of dice that you're rolling. If they're kind of at long range, on the other hand, it might be a lot less dice, or it might be more dice depending on what kind of weapon it is. So that's that's different. And the other major difference is, is obviously these are ships. These are multiple people on board. They have multiple. So there's not one hit, one kill kind of thing. The They do have, they have um, hull, which is, I, I suppose, would be like wounds would be in a game. So ships take amounts of damage before they sink. 
Um, that's something that you do record. You record the amount of damage a ship is taking. Not only that, how you cause damage to a ship is so what you do when you're rolling your six other dice in order to kind of get your successes you need a number of successes to beat the armor value of the thing that you're attacking if you get less than the armor value it doesn't do anything mm. if you get more than the armor value you cause a point of damage to it so it's um you're not looking for it's not an individual score that you're trying to get which gives you on a single die that that will give you um a wound or not as it were you're looking for a, a number of successes and there's like a there's in a threshold so say it was say a ship had an armor value of five well if you get five successes or more on on the attack then you've caused a point of damage because you've you've exceeded its armor um so yeah that's okay. it's a it's a, it's a yeah it, it's a diff it, it is a different game mechanic to exodus but there should be lots of the things we hope that people enjoy um it's um it's as fast-paced and brutal as exodus is but it's a different type of game. So whereas Exodus, a lot of the excitement comes down to every individual dice roll is, is you know, a knife edge kind of stuff because it's that kind of game. Dystopian Wars is more of a, um, it's a different field. Dystopian Wars is more, uh, it's a positional game. It's strategic. It's about outflanking your enemy, bringing your guns to bear and the right fire arcs and that kind of thing. So it's, it is, it, as as it should be, it feels much more like a naval tactical game rather than a um, knife fight in a bar kind of game, which Exodus can sometimes right. resort which, to. Which, which I think, having participated in the, the Sturgium Lounge, you know, they the older Dystopian Wars players are still have that need for the game to still have that that feel to it. And, yes. you know, I know early on I kept telling them, it was like, just be patient, let, let world cable do what they do. And we'll all be surprised with the outcome. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, so. um, we're already having a joke in the studio because yeah, look, okay. Like any community and the Exodus community had their, their concerns and justifiably. So some of them, I, I get that when um, we first came on board and talked about the new edition and so on. Um, the dystopian wars community also, some of them have got concerns. A lot of them have been brilliant and really welcoming and really excited. And they're just so jazzed to see new life into the game that they love and things. And that's great. That's, you know, that's, that's how we look at it. But I do understand how there are some people who are more cautious. They're more anxious about what's changing. You know, we're not going to go out of our way to, um, to make the game something that it wasn't, you know, if it's a naval game, the same way that Wild West Exodus, we tweak the rules to make it more reflective of the kind of narrative that it was trying to tell. And I think, you know, we've done a fairly, fairly decent job of that. We're doing the same with Dystopian Wars. We are working the game engine so that it is, we think, the, the most cinematic, tactical, strategic type of game that it can be. But it's also got to be open and welcoming for not just new players, but people coming in, more casual players, people that don't want to be um, getting really excited about number crunching everything all the time, that they, that they want to get some, some models on the table. They want to um, not be punished if they've made, um, yeah, it, if they haven't understood the, you know, the minutia of their army list back to front kind of thing. If they, if they, if they want to just have some fast, uh, exciting, cinematic naval fights, the game should let you do that, but it should also reward people that do put the extra time in and and, and do really study the factions and, and and get into how the mechanics of the game work. There should be enough depth there and enough kind of granularity that that 
those tactics can be done, that you can work some really quite clever naval naval fighting and be rewarded for it. So that's that's really, you know, we're not going to dumb the game down. Like I say, we did, um, we have uh, in the studio, we have kind of prepared ourselves because we are aware that there is going to be, I mean, we're all human. We don't we don't go into things. We don't try things, trying to make them bad. We want to make them good. We want to make them you know as good and as 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 fun as they can be. And um, but we are we are prepared, and we have prepared some of the um, some of the studio to that there will be certain phrases will get thrown around. We're confident that some of the community will think that the game isn't changed enough. We're confident that there'll be right. some of the community will say that the game's changed too much. That some people will say that we've changed things for the sake of changing them. Some people will say that why haven't you changed this bit? You should have changed this bit. This was terrible <laughs> in the previous game. Why didn't you change it? So we are we are well prepared that there will be uh, a mixture of um, a mixture of opinions on things. It's fine. We're just going to ride it out. The beta is there to um, um, kind of be shaped by the community to a degree in the same way. I mean, the Exodus guys, you guys yeah. are brilliant in terms of the feedback. As long as you keep it positive and as long as the changes that are suggested make for a better game and a genuinely better game, not just a personally a better game. Oh, I like this particular um, minute point. And so I want to make sure that the game's got this in it. It's like, well, okay, but most people don't find that fun. So we're not going to have that in the game. Yeah, so, but I, I think as long as that's there and as long as the feedback is kind of to us in the right way, and by the right way, what I mean is there'll be a, um, a beta test feedback form and stuff like that. So as long as it's reported in the right channels, brilliant. You know, uh, we'll have as much feedback as people want to give us. Um, if the feedback from some people, though, is, oh, it's different. I don't like it. I mean, we did have that with Exodus. We had that a couple of people like, oh, you've totally changed the game. I hate it. Uh, it's like, oh, OK, well, what, what don't you like about it? Yeah. It's just all different. It's like, no, 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 I get I get that it's different, but what don't you like about it? Yeah, you want something yeah. constructive that would, you know, yeah. help it out, fix yes. something maybe. And if it so, I mean if it was like somebody saying, Well, I don't um I don't like the fact that um so in Exodus, for example, it was one of the feedback points was I don't like that we've got so many different cards. And I get that. Um I do think Part of the issue was, and we accept this with the beta as well, part of the issue was that because people had to print off the action deck, the adventure deck, and so on, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, it could be a bit time-consuming, and I, I, I get that. But obviously, once the thing in the proper game, once the game's out there and the, and the deck's released and it's just a thing that you open up and it comes in your gardens box and it's, it's as simple as that, then actually you, you kind of you see the, the benefits of how integral the... Um, those those card mechanics are into the kind of the i think some of the excitement and the fun of the game so it's we're expecting the same with dystopian wars that there will be some of the feedback will be because there will be little bits that you're going to have to do you don't have an action deck but i do hasten to add the uh, ships are a little bit more predictable than people mm-hmm. um but um but, but you know there, there are some elements that you're going to have to produce for yourself if you want to take part in the beta i expect some people will find that fiddliness and they will confuse what a fiddly thing that you have to do for a beta test they will confuse that for a fiddly aspect of the game yeah actually in the final polished product that's not going to be a, a fiddly thing for you to do because we will have already done that for you now you you mentioned the feedback and the the rules how would uh, a player that's gone ahead and um got the beta rules 
from you guys? How would they submit feedback rules? Is there going to be a form on the website? There is, yeah. There's going to be a um, beta test feedback um, where the place where you download the beta test from, so the, there'll be a beta test page that okay. people will be able to access. It have all sorts of resources on there, hazard condi- or sorry, condition markers, minefield markers, aircraft markers, all sorts of things that you're going to be able to download and print off. Okay. We're even putting ships on there. So ship silhouettes so that actually people can play games with pieces of paper. They don't okay. have any models. Um, we actually have, we don't, yes, I'm sure if you already own Dystopian Wars models from previous editions or you've got other boats that you want to use, uh, that's fine. And I mean boats then. I'm thinking like sailing boats and things. Um, <laughs> that's fine. You can use those. But um, we're also going to produce some paper token versions so that if you just want to try the game out and see how it, see how it plays, um, you, know, you can jump on board with that. We will have a generic, um, a generic large ship, a generic medium ship, a generic small ship, and then we will also have a generic carrier and so on, so that you can have a proper, a proper play and a proper muckabout with the various um, types of models in the game. Yes, go ahead, Brian. No, I'm just thinking that's pretty cool because so then those of us who haven't already, you know, grabbed up some of the limited resources already floating around, we can still participate in the beta and you know, have some fun games before any of the real product rolls out. Yeah, exactly. Very, very similar to like what you guys did with Wild West Exodus. Just everything is going to be available online. Just a matter of printing it out, trying it, you know, give feedback, constructive. So very, we change it. You you then have to print it out again. (laughs) You give feedback though. So we change it. And so you have to bring it out again. Yes. Well, I mean, something yeah. I did when you guys did the changes, the, the little changes for Wild West Exodus, and I can totally see people easily doing this also with this is, you know, you have your little stat card and maybe it, it changed with points cost or a stat itself. Yep. Uh, I would just white it out and pencil it in and, you know. Absolutely. It's not that hard to do, so. And, and the good thing is, is some of the, um, and if I can put it this way, um, some of the bits that people are going to be printing off um, are things that we have already spent quite a bit of time on. Mm. So actually, barring uh, you know, if any beta test feedback that we get on them, I would think the changes will be marginal on those printed elements okay. the only printed elements that are probably going to change a fair amount are the um so we have we have what we call um so we've got beta test units which are so rather than in exodus when actually in exodus what we did is we um we produced a whole bunch of cards for pretty much every unit that was available in the game in dystopian wars it's slightly different because um actually none of the old models are by default part of third edition we're making sure that there are rules for how people can use their models in third edition for mm-hmm. sure um as like a kind of a counts as thing but the um the actual the you know the 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 new ships for and and whatever else we're going to be producing for dystopian wars that will all be coming out when the game comes out so there will be for the beta test there are a whole bunch of um for want of a better word generic ships so there's a okay. um so there'll be like a union battleship Okay, it doesn't have a a particular name. It's just a Union Battleship stat card, which lets you, and you can use any one of your um, American battleships that you have as that, and it will act as that ship. But, okay. the, but because of the way that the um, 
the cards work where you can upgrade weapons and things, it's very easy for you to actually upgrade that ship to match exactly the model that you're using. So it's, um, yeah, that's, that's how we hope people will be able to practice lots of games in the beta test, enjoy themselves, um, and get lots of use out of the models that they still have. Okay, okay. And also good to note that uh, you guys are doing the uh, the collector-like waves right now on the website for anybody that wants to pick up any of those those old models. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. classic. Classics, that's it, yeah. So the War Cradle Classics range, it's, it's what we've done as part of our resin production. Um, we're making sure, so we inherited a whole bunch of molds from um, Spartan Games. And we part of our process in the resin production team is that we have to test all of those molds to make sure that they're any good. Um, we've had to scrap a whole bunch of them because they're no good. You can't actually get anything produced out of them. But some of them are... The molds held together well enough or the the end result was of a decent enough quality that we could actually um, make those miniatures rather than just throwing them in a big grinder or something that we could actually <laughs> make those miniatures available to the public. Um, if the particularly the existing um, the existing sort of dystopian wars community who might have a few gaps in their collections and they want to pick up some some various ships and bits and pieces. So yeah, we've made those um, those sort of results available for people to uh, to pick up and um yeah i mean look some of them um people have gone oh great you know i've got that others um i i don't think have particularly um particularly sold very much because they either they weren't particularly popular models at the time or they are models that everybody's already got or, or what have you we I mean we're not making judgments when we when we pick what molds we're doing, we're testing everything. So mm-hmm. uh, eventually, so every single thing that was in that had a um, that had a mold is either going to be released as a War Cradle Classic because it will be the result of the testing, or the mold's no good and that'll be the end of it. So uh, I'm sure there will become a point when we make a big announcement to say that we've gone through all the molds now. And there'll probably be half a dozen ships or something that people were hoping were going to turn up in the set and never did. Yeah. And there'll be a, you know, much wailing and gnashing of teeth. Um, but it's no, um, yeah, there was, there, yeah, but there's no, as I say, we're not, we're not actually looking at them. I mean, in fact, in fact, the War Cradle Classics, in terms of how we organize it within War Cradle, it, uh, War Cradle Classics doesn't even fall under the studio. The studio itself isn't involved in it. It is a, as in the creative side of the studio, it is the manufacturing department are actually the ones that do that because it is, it's a mechanical task of, there's a bit of finesse to it, but there's a mechanical task of running through all the molds. That's, and that's what they do. And when they get a bunch of miniatures as an output, then that goes up as a, um, as a war cradle classics wave. Okay. Um, the, the manufacturing team's working a few waves as it were in advance of what's released, but the studio doesn't really, get involved because whatever's produced as part of War Cradle Classics isn't actually part of our plans or our schedules for dystopian wars and the game that we're developing. Um, it's more kind of um, back catalogue filling and just making some classic models available again. Yeah, it's like you said, it's for those kind of the collectors out there that maybe miss yeah. something or fill a hole. And yeah, there's there's plenty of players out there that like to basically get every model they can just to have it and that i i think that's yeah. a neat concept that you you guys are you know you have available for players old and new 
Well, the Exodus fans have benefited as well because Wave, I know, was it Wave 3 or one of the waves of War Cradle Classics was Exodus models that were classic models for Exodus because, again, there are moulds of Exodus stuff that we inherited that we aren't producing ourselves. So they've been run. So we have a limited number of older models that aren't part of the current range. That doesn't mean that those characters and whatever else they are are discontinued as a character or as a thing but it means that um so as an example you might get um ada lovelace uh, sorry lucinda lovelace you might have her as a as an individual miniature as as she was when she first came out under outlaw miniatures well we would still have that mold that um those miniatures produced there would still be we'd still have some of them and so they've come out under the classics range to kind of be the end of that production run as it were but uh, lucinda lovelace is now on a um on a frame with the rest of the secret service so that's how that miniature exists now we don't have a you know she doesn't exist as a separate thing she's part of a part of a posse set so mm-hmm. that's you know so you you would have seen that for um and for exodus as well that that same process and same with dystopian wars players people shouldn't look at it and think oh it's you know that shit that thing has come out as part of classics that means it's dead for the game it doesn't it just means that 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 specific version of that miniature is is effectively is a discontinued or an end of life uh, model we may very well so if there's a particular miniature or a particular concept in dystopian wars or exodus that is massively popular well of course we're going to do a version of it for the main game why wouldn't we we're not um we're not crazy. It's, uh, it's like, like the Sky Stallions uh, or Energy Beasts, as they used to be called. They So those miniatures, I think the last few of those are in the Classics range at the moment. Mm-hmm. There is a new Sky Stallion. Uh, in fact, there are Sky Stallions and Storm Riders, two different versions, are coming out at some point. They're new miniatures, new designs. They very much look like horses imbued with spirit energy. They're not going to be a million miles away from what they used to be, but they, <laughs> but they are... But they are new miniatures, um, <laughs> and they are redesigned somewhat. Um, so, you know, we want people that need their Sky Stallions this instant or have two Sky Stallions and want a third one or something to fill in the uh, fill in the unit or whatever. That's cool. We've got these available. But for the vast majority of people that are kind of hankering for them, if they wait um, six months or so, they will have some very, very nice-looking models. Uh, very nice-looking models. And what, what I think is particularly exciting, speaking of models and things, is um, because we've released lots of lot, lots of stuff. We've shown off stuff at Gen Con. We've shown off stuff at various shows and things and online. And we're moving into the exciting stage, see, because I think the community has got a fairly good feel on us now and i reckon that they think oh well we know everything that's coming out because we've seen it at shows and <laughs> we've seen it yeah no there's a whole line of products for the various factions that we've never shown anybody anywhere they're just going to be announced so you're just going to one so for certain months in the future there'll be a product or two posses and things will be announced and then you'll be like where did that come from oh. we never even Never even knew that was coming out. I think it's you're like, gonna oh, yeah. you're gonna make Brian's brain explode. I think yeah, I yeah, think yeah. they did that with the legendary Jedrick because that was like a huge splash that nobody knew coming. Oh, just wait, there is well, there's something coming out in um, oh, in fact, we'll announce it in probably a couple of weeks' time. Just 
the little thing will be um, coming out, which we've not even hinted at up to this date. So that will <laughs> that will appear. Um, there's at least two posses um, this year that we haven't revealed, shown, talked about at all, and they're going to appear. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of amazing stuff coming out. I'd say if you were an Exodus fan, I think 2018 has been a really good year for you. 2019 is going to be epic. I, yeah. I, I like Brian how Stewart says a little thing, just a little thing. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it, it is, it is. I mean, I know what it is. So it, it is, I mean, I don't want people thinking I'm being kind of like full of false modesty. And actually it's like some kind of massive epic box set or something. <laughs> it is. There is a, there is a small box with a couple of miniatures in there that we've not shown anybody. And they're going to be revealed soon. That's, that's then, very exciting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and then but there are there are um there are passes because you'll notice um, okay man i'm not going to give anything away in terms of what they are <laughs> but you'll notice you will notice that some factions have had lots of things talked about and some yeah. factions haven't had very much talked about yeah you'll see you'll see stuff you'll see stuff <laughs> <laughs> So, so going back to a little bit of the dystopian wars. Now, you guys are doing uh, the same thing you guys did with Wild West Exodus, where the people can take a picture of their uh, earlier edition of the game, yes. post it on yeah. one of the social medias, and they can get a free rule book of the new set of rules. Yes, we're going to do a special print run. Same as with the Dark Council edition. I think we'll do, uh, I don't know what we'll call it yet, probably Salty Gamers edition or something like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll do a, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a, uh, a special version of the, uh, of the rule book um, just for people that have their picture taken. Okay. And um, yeah, uh, look, because we want people to get excited about the game we think it's great we love dystopian wars we wouldn't have bought it if we didn't like it <laughs> and we think that there's something that we can add to the game to make it even more exciting and even more um you know uh, interesting for not just existing players because same with exodus obviously we i think we did something that largely the existing player base enjoyed but it's also something that i mean it, i i get I'm really gratified when I read posts on uh, Facebook and other places, Twitter and stuff. People going, oh, I, I just, I went into my local store and I saw this game, or I, I was at a show and I saw this game for the first time, or my my buddy told me to go and give this a go and I tried it and it's amazing. You know, I love this game kind of thing because that's yes, we make stuff for the existing community, but we're absolutely we want the existing community or the community itself to be. 10 times bigger than it was when we when, when we came on board and, and got involved in the game so you know yes it's brilliant that you know people that already like first edition like second edition and it's going to be great he says confidently that <laughs> people that like first and second edition of dystopian wars really enjoy third edition but it's even more exciting when people who either they never played dystopian wars before because it didn't appeal to them or else they had a go and it wasn't for them, or they had never even heard of it. And for those people to then jump on board with third edition when it's out, I'm not expecting them to get on board in the beta, to be fair. Betas are fiddly things. I think you have to have a, a bit of a stake in either the universe or the um, or the, the game itself to actually get involved in the beta. We're not expecting new people to do that. But for when the game's released, once these new people get on board with Dystopian Wars and discover how cool Dystopian Wars is, 
um, uh, that's going to be very satisfying. Yeah, you, and you, you guys have in the past, and you, I know your plan still. You make it so easy to, uh, like, like I was saying with the old rule book and getting the new rule book. You make it very easy to, you know, dive in, you know, into the the game system and try it out, and and I, I commend you guys for that. Yeah, well, we, I guess because we like playing games, and we just want to. We'd want people to be playing the games that we think are quite good. And obviously, because we're not modest at all, we think the stuff that we make is quite good. So, you know, if we think it's cool and you think it's cool, then why shouldn't we make it as easy as possible for you to come and be cool with us? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds so easy. (laughs) It is easy. <laughs> and anybody that tells you it's not is lying. It is easy, right? <laughs> Brian, did you have uh, any more things you wanted to pick Stuart's brain with? Because I know it's probably getting pretty late there for him. It is. No, I, uh, he, my he, wife he, is currently watching crazy. Gilmore Girls in the other room, so you are sparing me that. But, oh, okay. Uh, no, it's uh, no, it is. It, it's getting pretty late. So if you guys are, are done with me, I'm gonna get my beauty sleep, and then I've got another day working on the uh, on the dystopian wars beta tomorrow. Which okay. is very exciting. Oh, I think you did a good a good job of introing the beta for for those of us who get to listen to this before they they've downloaded it. it. Gives them a little sneak peek of what to expect, and uh, we really appreciate it, Stuart. Thank you. No, yes. no, no trouble. Always a pleasure to speak to the pair of you. Thank you, Stuart. Take care. There you go, guys. There's our first episode of Black Hoof Saloon Ramblin'. I'd like to thank Stuart for coming on and chatting with us again. Is really appreciate him uh, taking the time and doing that, especially since it was so late. Let's recap a little bit. So we talked about the drop of Dystopian Wars beta rules with Stuart from War Cradle. And uh, it was a little bit of a a challenge with uh, the like seven, eight hour time difference and a big OC in between us. But we got it done and Stuart enlightened us a little bit about Dystopian Wars. And he the, so the dates that the beta is dropping is going to be on Tuesday, uh, August 28th. And I believe he said that they, he told me and Brian, it'd be sometime in the afternoon. Uh, we're hoping to have the show up and out for everybody like earlier that morning so you get a little bit of a sneak peek that way. And some of the places you can... So what you, where you can go that covers Dystopian Wars is you can go to the... On the, the Facebook, you can go to Dystopian Wars page or the uh, Surgeon Lounge. Boy, I butchered that one, didn't, didn't I? And the the lounge is the official Dystopian Wars community page, and there's a lot of activity you can interact with and uh, talk about the the previous version of the game or these new beta rules. And also go to War Cradle Studios website 
at warcradle.com to find all the beta rules you can download. And like Stuart mentioned, all the templates. And if you don't have ships, you can use what they're going to have there. And the form for submitting your uh, beta rules, uh, suggestions, how your games went, is all going to be there. There should be a link in there. And uh, yeah, you can go ahead and contact them there. Uh, As always, feel free to contact us at the Black Hoof Saloon about our main show, the Black Hoof Saloon Wild West Exodus podcast, where we talk about that, and also uh, about this new show, Ramblin'. So you can find us on the Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast, and our email for getting in touch with us is at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com. So if you're either you're listening to this one, like I said, it's going to be kind of irregular whenever. And you can always find all three of us uh, getting up to no good on the main show, the Black Hoof Saloon Wild West Exodus podcast on, you know, all the different podcast sites. And go ahead and drop us a line. And until next time, this is Eric for Brian and Tom saying take it easy and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for warming a seat at our table and listening to the chit-chat on Black Hoof Saloon Ramblin'. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions on the interwebs and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com or find us on the Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast. Music provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels. Ross Bugden Music or Ross Bugden Composer. Until next time, y'all, ramble on.